Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Well, that is uh, 90s or 80s, all right. That uh, surely is. In fact, it dates me, that piece of music. But uh, clearly it doesn't date you. Uh, Hugh Vayner, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Oh, uh, I remember watching Hang Time, Julie, Mary Beth, Danny, Coach Bill Fuller, Chris, Samantha. What a show that was. <laughs> what a show. Uh, well, the National Basketball League uh, starts... Uh, in, uh, on April uh, the 28th this year. How's, how is everything coming in? I'm, I'm seeing uh, new sides, new owners, and, and um, new franchises being developed very quickly, so it looks healthy, mate. Yeah, very healthy. A lot happening uh, at NBL Towers at the moment. So we don't really get a, a breath to rest at the moment, but it's it's exciting. So, yeah, well, I, I guess we'll go bit by bit. New franchises have been announced. They, they start in 2024. The league will expand in 2024 to, to have 12 teams in the men's league. So uh, the Bay of Plenty Stingrays come in and, and a team out of Queenstown as well, which is really exciting after uh, an expansion process um, that we went through at the end of last year. Uh, so that's really exciting. In terms of this year, we made the decision about 10 days ago to push the league back by three weeks to start start time. You know, we're very lucky to be able to do that um, with our partners at Sky Sports. So um, push that back by three weeks and, and buy, just to buy ourselves a little bit more time, I guess, with the uncertainty around COVID and also allows our players to come home from Australia, the ones that play over there. So so far, it seems to be the right decision as I watch what happens with our friends at rugby and um, we're in regular contact with rugby and netball and, and the best way to run national leagues at the moment. But uh, at least we'll be starting in nine weeks now as opposed to six. So hopefully we're long past the peak of, of Omicron and all that stuff and we can actually get back to playing some basketball. All right. Tell us who your partners are, your major partners, um, and particularly in terms of your television coverage, etc. Well, we've got a big new deal with Sky Sport um, for the next five years and a little bit different to your normal broadcast deal. It's a bit of a one-of-a-kind. It's actually more of a commercial deal. So Sky have partnered with every single one of our teams, 10 men's teams, five women's teams in the new women's league that's going to be announced officially shortly on, on International Women's Day in early March. Um, so a lot of money going straight from Sky Sport to the teams, uh, as well as player putting every game, so 95 men's games, 35 women's games live on Sky Sports. So, and now every Saturday night game live on Prime, free to air. So Certainly no complaints about our partners at Sky Sports, that's for sure. Okay, so, and also I imagine some of it will be going uh, free-to-air as well on Prime? Yeah, Saturday night, the 7.30 game, so the primetime game, as we'll call it, uh, on a Saturday night in the men's league, and then hopefully the women's league as well will be uh, live on Prime, free-to-air, taking basketball to a few more people, which will be really cool and a really good way to spend your Saturday night watching some, some National League basketball. Well, I know it's a very gross sport in New Zealand, and uh, I imagine this uh, just keeps continuing uh, to open up a pathway for uh, our younger talent. And, and when you watch these NBL games, you certainly see... Uh, a lot of young guys on display here making their way in the game. 
Yeah, we, and the pathways in basketball are really interesting, and, and unlike. I guess the more traditional sports that we normally that we have played in New Zealand, um, and that's the American factor, of course, and and going to college has long been uh, a, a big pathway. Well, college isn't for everyone, as we found out over the years. You know, some of our best players have gone to college and then um, and left after one year and and not done the academic side of it that they kind of that is often put forward as a, as a reason for going as well. You know, you get a free education. So what? What we've tried to do at Basketball New Zealand is create those other pathways for the ones that don't want to leave home or don't want to go to college or can't because of dependencies or grades or anything. So the NBL is playing a really crucial part in that, both men's and women's, and that you can stay home, uh, you can make money from playing the sport you love, and then other opportunities can come from it. You know, we sent nine players from the South NBL last year to the Australian NBL this year for the first time. We've got players who've gone over to play in Europe straight from the South NBL. You know, there's guys in the NBA that's played in the South NBL and Terence Ferguson um, and then uh, Stephen Adams, of course, and then Tory Craig. So we've had plenty of players make their mark early in the NBL and go elsewhere without going the college route uh, or, or other more, more traditional routes. Do you facilitate players going to the college system as such or are they independently done uh, through the players and through agents in America, etc.? Yeah, most, mostly it's independently done. I mean, the, the players know that these days you have to market yourself, even at high school. So what we can do is, and what we do a lot, is stream secondary school uh, games and, and tournaments and, and make that footage available to be sent over to college scouts. Uh, there are independent companies that do that too, that help, team, help players make their way over to uh, to the States and go to college. But, you know, BB&Z and well, what Bicycle Museum does is urge a fair bit of caution and is always there, our high performance team in particular, to provide um, that advice because, as always, there are people out there looking to just capitalise on other people uh, and maybe not always doing the right thing. So certainly those youngsters have to, to uh, show some caution in those things and most of the time they do and there's normally some good influences around them. Well, Hugh, it's also a pathway, of course, to uh, the breakers that it's also a, partner, a pathway to the Tall Blacks and r- quite rarely uh, they were involved in action overnight in the uh, uh, FIBA World Qualifiers in Manila. Uh, that would be warm, I would imagine, there. So uh, they put, took on India and, and mopped them up pretty pretty com, uh, conclusively. So was that an expected result for you? Yeah, that was expected um, to, to get over India. Uh, you know, the, the, you've got to go, you play who's in front of you, right? You've got to go through everyone to get try and get to the World Cup. And in, in Asia, we've got India in our group. And professional job from the guys. Great to see the tallbacks back out on court for the first time in 12 months and for the second time in 28 months. Um, some... I, you know, I thought Rob Lowe, who we haven't seen much for the breakers in recent weeks, in my opinion, which is quite perplexing. Um, but great to see him out there back in black and, and had a really good game, showed how world-class he is, same with Tom Vodanovic. And, and good to see some youngsters out there. You know, it's, it's really tough picking um, a tall black side at this time of the year because a lot of players can't make it because of duties around the world with their clubs and stuff. So some youngsters had to step up, and I thought they did really well on debut, the likes of Dane Samuel, Ben Gold, Tucky Ferenson. Um, so, no, it was exciting to see the Tall Blacks back. Expected result, but sometimes those are quite hard, can be banana skins, and I thought they stay pretty professional throughout, uh, and now they'll get ready for the Philippines, which will be a much tougher task uh, early Monday morning. So uh, tell us about this competition, these qualifiers, what's involved there, and where, uh, where if successful, does that lead us fr- from that group? 
Yeah, so it's the World Cup qualifiers, essentially. So it does what it says on the tin. What's a little bit different is that FIBA have put this particular window, or they've combined two windows and put them into a bubble, uh, obviously with no fans, and that's because of the, the pandemic situation around the world. So hopefully we're slowly working our way out of that, and later in the year we'll see these games are supposed to be home and away. You know, we haven't seen the tallbacks at home for a long, long time, and, it, and it's... And, you know, it's so important for the youngsters to see the national teams play at home in any sport. And we'd love to have the Tall Blacks and the Tall Ferns at home a lot more. And what Joining Asia did, Smithy, so obviously we used to be in Oceania, what Joining Asia has done has normally provided a lot more home games because we have a lot more competition now. Of course, in the last three years, all these competitions have been put in bubbles or not happened at all. So this is two two bubbles, uh, two windows combined into one. So normally you play two games in the window. This time we're supposed to play four, but South Korea didn't get on the plane because a few of their team picked up COVID. Um, and so they made a quite a bold call, which from all accounts hasn't gone down too well with FIBA, not to get on the plane and, and head over to the, the bubble. So four games has gone down to three. So the Tall Blacks will play the Philippines on Monday morning, and then they play India again. Um, and then later on in the year, they'll have to play Korea uh, and the Philippines one more time. And, you know, Tall Blacks should be winning these games. You know, certainly won't be winning them by the 55 points they won by last night. But they'll win enough to, uh, to get them through the next stage and, and on the road to the World Cup, which is going to be held in Japan, Philippines and Indonesia. So, yeah, you, you know, as our high performance team always say, and this has been tough times for them, it's like you've got, you got to play who's in front of you and you've got to win. You've got to get our best team we can out there because we need to be at these international tournaments uh, for the future of the sport. Uh, the other pathway I was referring to is to the breakers, Hugh. Uh, it has not been a happy season. There have been reasons why, uh, and we're, they've been well documented. But uh, we had Mark Hinton on the panel yesterday, and he was very vocal in his opinion. He's written an article about it as well, and he thinks there's, um, there's some alarm bells uh, ringing uh, in that breakers uh, unit. What are, what are you hearing? Are you agreeing? Yeah, <clears throat> I don't often disagree with Mark's uh, basketball uh, opinions and this is this time is no different you know it's, yes they're doing it tough uh, and yes they've done it tough for the last two seasons straight but there are some just baffling things <laughs> happening you know just basketball decisions coaching decisions was this roster made up uh, in the best way it should the, the one for me and the wrestle that the breakers seem to be having right now uh, I guess is more from an ownership or a roster composition point of view and that is are these rosters being put together to win games and win championships or are they being put together to sell jerseys because you've got a lot of youngsters and, and you know and, and make money in the future a lot of these next stars these, the two young French players who are fantastic basketball players and will have you know wonderful careers potentially in the NBA um, but does that help the breakers now on the court and therefore you know does it does it help basketball in New Zealand or is it selling jerseys and selling sponsorship and eventually you know getting NBA teams to buy out that, those guys contracts and bring more money into the club that's the wrestle they seem to be having that's the wrestle I guess most professional sports franchises had and it's trying to find that middle ground where you're satisfying both the bookkeepers uh, but also you know your fans uh, and people want to watch good basketball and they want to watch the breakers win uh, like they did a decade ago so it's a tough one and so Certainly one, I don't think the balance is right at the moment. So uh, in terms of the, the coaching side of things, um, you know, we've got a, a very well-performed coach uh, who's done very, very well in his home leagues as well, good reputation. Uh, is it, is it, does it start there? Yeah, I think it does. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Dan Shamir personally when I was, you know, still working at Sky Sport and, and sidelined at every breakers game. I got on really well with him and Modi Mauer, the assistant coach. But there certainly seemed to be some sort of division in the ranks. And, and you know, that's pretty easy to have sorts of division in the ranks. As you know, Smithy, going away with, on long tours, or well, the breakers are essentially on a, on a 
five-month tour of Australia at the moment, um, you know, and so I can see how those things can happen. But to have a player like Rob Lowe, a proven star in the NBL, just not getting any minutes, even in a game where the Breakers are losing by 30, is baffling. And then he goes away on Tall Blacks duty so, and plays. So he's not unfit. You know, he's not injured. Um, so there's certainly some culture issues out there on tour. And again, that, that's hard to manage no matter how long, no matter how far or how long away from home you are. Uh, but it's also the coach's job, right, to keep those to keep those ranks in. And yes, they're missing Tom Abercrombie. He's been away with injury and, and all these other um, reasons or excuses. But something's not right. Uh, and it probably starts and finishes with the coaching staff. Um, and I don't know how much longer Matt Walsh, the, the owner, and, and Breakers Brains Trust are going to give them. But they have ex- they did extend them. You know, they do have another couple of years left. And it'll be a brave call to sack someone like Dan Shamir. But you know, when Matt Walsh bought the club. The Breakers have just made the playoffs with Paulie Henno. They He got the flick, and they haven't been back in the playoffs since. Um, and that's really the bottom line, isn't it? Yeah, it is the bottom line. If you don't make the playoffs, and you don't get the credibility, and things start to go horribly awry, if that's your goal. And of course, um, you know, playing at home would be great. I mean, the glory days uh, of the, the Blackwell ownership and those uh, crowds uh, at those North Shore stadiums, uh, that was the kind of thing that brought the best out in them. But they're just going to have to weather that storm because that doesn't appear to be that close. Yeah, and, and I will stick up for Matt Walsh and the ownership in this regard, you know, and by, by Paul and Liz Blackwell's very, you know, by their own admission, they couldn't sustain owning that club any longer. You know, as Paul said, Paul always says, you know, Matt Walsh came in and saved the breakers because the, the NBL uh, in the last 10 years has just taken step by step and it's more expensive to own a team now. There's a lot more money in and around the team. You know, you're talking 10 to $15 million a season to run one of these teams, which is a lot different to when the Breakers are winning their championships. So, you know, certainly wasn't, uh, you know, the, the, the Blackwell's got ousted. They needed to go, and they found Matt Walsh, who was willing to come on and take the risk and take the team. And it is his team, and it is his money. So you don't want to poke, poke him too much and be like, what are you doing, what are you doing? Because uh, without him, maybe the Breakers wouldn't exist. But uh, there it gets to a point, I guess, when you're a fan of the Breakers, as I am, you know, and as, as people listening will be, that you kind of scratch your head and go, well, what's going on here? What are we trying to do? Uh, win games, sell jerseys, what's, what's the play here? You know, get, the, get more money into the club and sell it on? I don't know, but it doesn't seem to be that clear direction. Hugh, it's been great to catch up with you this morning and get that insight there. You're in, you sound like you're enjoying uh, being in the front office. Oh, it's every little boy's dream, isn't it? Running a basketball league, playing fantasy basketball in real life. That's what I tell my wife anyway. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Uh, doing a great job. I so look forward to the start of that season uh, in uh, late April and uh, then again 2024 uh, upping up another two franchises. Great news. Absolutely great, Hugh. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, buddy.